0: So as Adam so eloquently prayed and said, if we were going to define this year, chaos is a word that would probably come up in the conversation, right? I know it would in in mine. It's because of that chaos that, Mike, I love that you chose that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, to sing as a Christmas song. And it's been such a difficult year as you were singing it, as you were practicing it. Something was moved in my heart because in the midst of chaos, we have a faithful God. That's not just the story of today. That's the story of Christmas. That God is faithful. This year, it's going to be a Christmas like no other Part of me can't believe that we're in the Advent season already. It's almost like we pressed the pause button in March, right? And we started living day to day by what's going on. And all of a sudden, here we are, landing right in December, ready to celebrate Christmas. And it feels like tomorrow we should be moving into April or something, not Christmas. But that's just another reminder that it's going to be A chaotic Christmas. For some of us, many of us, this Christmas, a lot of the traditions that define and make Christmas for us are not going to be able to take place. Things that we went to, things that we saw, friends that we connected with, And as those traditions are displaced and disrupted, it could well throw Christmas into chaos. One of the favorite traditions for me is when families come to visit. It's not happening this year, and it's making Christmas a little bit more chaotic. And so I want to ask the question today and over the next few weeks of Advent, in the midst of a chaotic Christmas, how do we find peace? When everything is as it hasn't been before, how do we experience peace? The good news is, that this isn't the first chaotic Christmas. Because the first chaotic Christmas was even more chaotic than this. In fact, the very reason that Jesus came was because of the chaos. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of those disruptive stories of the season. And perhaps none are more disruptive, none are more chaotic than what happened to Joseph. Sometimes God has to send a little bit of chaos to mess up chaos so that we can experience peace. And that was true for Joseph. His life was going all right. He'd met a nice young lady. His parents approved. The future was looking bright. But then Christmas comes, and chaos comes, and his world is turned upside down. You know, Mary and Joseph both lived in Nazareth. And before Joseph's chaos came, chaos had come to Mary. She found out that even though still a virgin, she was with child. She decided to go and see Elizabeth. And for three months, she and Elizabeth talked, counseled, wondered, worried, became excited together. But it was time to go back and see Joseph. And she knew that she had to have this difficult and chaotic conversation with Joseph. (laughs) How do you have that conversation? It takes a lot of courage, a lot of honesty, a lot of trust, a lot of vulnerability And it's almost like she says to God, God, I'll do my part, but I'm going to need your help with helping get Joseph on board here. Because if it's just my word, I don't think he's going to believe me. And if that happens, then I don't know what happens. And so this part of the story is where God is explaining to Joseph what Mary already knows. It's a unique story about a unique person who had a unique conception and would bring to the world a unique message. In a world that craves normal, unique can bring Chaos. So, as we look at how Joseph receives this chaotic news, perhaps in his story, there are some principles that we can build into our story and into our chaotic Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew writes, the birth of Jesus came about this way. No frills, no over-dramatizing, just the truth, this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. The birth of Jesus came about this way. Right at the beginning, Matthew wants to state, as he gets ready to speak to Joseph, that this baby is from the Holy Spirit. It's almost like God is setting him up. Trust can still exist between you and Mary. She hasn't cheated on you. There's not something broken in your relationship. This is something that I am doing. She returns from Elizabeth and she's probably four or five months pregnant now and she's starting to show, so she can't keep it secret any longer. And so it was discovered by Joseph that she was pregnant. Can't imagine how Joseph felt. That's why it's emphasized again that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This puts Joseph in a difficult place. Because he and Mary are pretty committed to each other. In fact, there's no easy way out of the commitment that they have made. The way that people dated, the way that marriages were arranged and partners were found was very different back then. A couple would probably be set up by their parents or maybe an independent matchmaker. And after the families had spoken and got to know each other and worked out some details... The man and the woman became betrothed. It's kind of like engagement, but a lot more serious. Because once you are betrothed, the relationship could only be ended by death or divorce. These Jewish families rightly believed that marriage was too serious a thing just to be left to the dictates of the human heart. As my daughter gets older, I see a lot of wisdom in that. Mary and Joseph were possibly about 13 or 14, maybe a little bit older, 16, 17, or 18. But they were kids. And so the family's involvement and the weight of commitment was incredibly helpful for them. Betrothal made sense. It lasted a year before marriage. It could only be separated by death and divorce. But there was one thing about being betrothed those who were betrothed couldn't sleep together. You were considered as marriage and therefore if someone was pregnant outside of that relationship, then it was adultery, potentially punished by stoning, or an incredibly shameful divorce. And so Joseph finds out, but he's a righteous man and he's a compassionate man. And so he thinks the best thing that I can do knowing that I'm not the Father, is downplay this thing and look for what was called a quiet divorce. This was added to the law a little bit later. It meant that only two or three witnesses need to call it a divorce. It didn't need to fuel the gossip lines, although it it inevitably would didn't need to become this big scandal, although it could easily have become. Joseph is in this difficult place. If he stays married to her, people think that he has sinned and that messes with his righteousness. All of a sudden, his life is disrupted. And this kind-hearted man really only has two choices. He could institute a lawsuit which would get ugly, or he could quietly divorce her. He chooses to quietly divorce her because it's the most dignified track as his life had been disrupted. Poor Joseph. His life was going so well. The future was so bright. But then this disruptive chaos comes and changes everything. And he had to make a decision he didn't want to make. His life has been disrupted. And so he chooses to run away from the difficulty, to sidestep the disruption and divorce her quietly. I don't know about you, but that tends to be my MO when disruption comes. How can I sidestep this? How can I avoid being involved in this disruption? How do I distance myself as much as I can from chaos? Walked into a room the other day, there's a conversation going on. I said, hey, what are you guys talking about? They shared what was going on. I just turned around and walked out <laughs> because I want to walk away from disruption. I'm not a fan of chaos. And Joseph wants to do that as well. And being a righteous man, he tries to be as subtle as he can. But here's the deal. And this is one of the first things we learn about chaos that Joseph teaches us. Is that disruption can actually determine our destiny. Disruption can actually determine our destiny. Right? Our default is, oh my goodness, that's too chaotic. That's too disruptive. I want nothing to do with it. Imagine if Joseph had done that. He would have missed out on all that God was doing. Sometimes, when disruption comes, our best option is not to run from it, but to stand faithfully in it. Because as we stand faithfully in it, we can see God determine our destiny. Does that make sense? When chaos comes, don't run from it, stand in it because God wants to bring peace and purpose and destiny often through that chaos. Clearly, 2020 has been a chaotic year. But I think that one of the things that God has been doing in this chaotic year... is determining a better future for us. Have to be very careful because it's been so painful and there's been so much pain and so much loss. But as we think about the COVID situation, we're not to look to go back to normal. We're to look to how we can get better how we can change, how we can shape our destiny because of what we've learned. When chaos comes, when disruption comes, don't run. Stand strong. Stand faithfully because often that disruption can determine your destiny. Does that make sense? Disruption can determine destiny Joseph was caught between a rock and a hard place he wanted to squirm he wanted to run things were so chaotic so disruptive but he stayed and as he stayed god revealed another way he'd resolve to divorce her quietly, but he hadn't gone through with the deed to do that. I love what verse 20 says that he does next. He was considering these things. He was giving himself a time out. He wasn't rushing to a quick decision. He wasn't sprinting 100 miles an hour the other way. He stopped to consider. Second thing that I think David teaches us, not only can disruptions determine our destiny, but taking time to consider what is going on can calm chaos. So often when chaos comes, our first reaction is to react, right? Maybe we, we freak out. Maybe we fight back. Maybe we try and prove something. Maybe we try and hide. But I love that Joseph gave himself a time out, an opportunity to be still and to consider what the right thing and the best thing to do is. This was so, so important because as he stopped to consider, he stopped to quieten down. And here's the deal. It's true from the Old Testament to the end of the book, that when we be still and quiet ourselves, it provides more opportunity for God to be loud in our life. As we quieten ourselves, we are best positioned to hear the voice of God. And in chaos, it makes the most sense to need to hear from God. God speaks up when we quiet down. And so Joseph stops to consider And as he stops to consider, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This is what the angel said. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. The angel showed up as Joseph quietened down. As we stop to consider what's happening in the chaos, we can find some calm in the voice of God. This angel was a messenger. That's what the word angel means, messenger. And even though the news was kind of scary, hearing it from God brought some calm to Joseph. This angel from heaven plays this conversation like a brilliant psychologist. First of all, he speaks to Joseph's emotions. Then he gives him a why this is happening. And then he gives him a howl, And as Joseph hears these things, the chaos inside of him starts to experience some calm. Joseph, God knows him. Son of David, he's reminding him who he is. Don't be afraid to take Mary as a wife. He's saying, do not fear. Don't worry. I got this. He's speaking to his emotions. You know, elsewhere in the Christian uh, Christmas story, elsewhere in Scripture, when an angel shows up, the first thing the angel says is, do not fear, because you seen an angel. But Joseph's a godly man, and he's not afraid of seeing an angel. He's looking for God to speak. The angel says, Don't be afraid, not of me, but don't be afraid of the plans that I have for you. He's speaking to Joseph's emotions. She says, Let me tell you what's going on. There's a a child inside her, and you know it's not yours. And she knows it's not yours. And I know it's not yours. It's from the Holy Spirit. Joseph's experience of the Holy Spirit was probably from the Old Testament scriptures that, that talked about how the Holy Spirit creates and holders the Holy Spirit heals and makes. So when he hears the words Holy Spirit, he associates it with the activity of God. Now he's learning very quickly that the Holy Spirit is also involved in conception. The angel comes and speaks to his emotional state. The Holy Spirit and the angel comes to speak and explain what's going on. And then like many of us need, he gave some details. This is how it's going to go down. The baby's going to be a boy, and you're going to name him Jesus. You're going to name him Jesus because the name Jesus, Joshua, means salvation. He's going to save people from their sins. Joseph is living in chaos. The girl that he loves is pregnant and it's not his. He doesn't know what to do. He wants to do the right thing. And so he chooses to consider, to calm down so that God can speak up. And God does speak up. And God does speak into the situation. He says, Joseph, it's going to be okay. Do not fear. Joseph, I'm working out a plan We got this. Joseph, let me give you some details, because I want you to know that you can trust me. Joseph teaches us that in the chaos of Christmas, a disruption can determine our destiny. But he also teaches us that if we will stop and consider and be still and take stock and listen to God, God will speak to us in our chaos about our chaos. And when God speaks into our chaos, we can experience some calm. You bet that Joseph was a lot calmer when the angel left than before the angel came. Did he know what the future hold? Did he know everything that was ahead? Were the difficult situations that he was going to have to walk into? Absolutely but the details didn't matter as much because it heard from God that a Savior was coming, someone who saves from and someone who saves to. Friend, if you are in chaos this Christmas season, stop and consider and be still and let God speak to you So that his voice can bring calm into that chaos. Joseph's story lets us know that disruption can often determine our destiny. Therefore, be very careful if you want to run from disruption. Secondly, Joseph teaches us that consideration in the midst of chaos can bring calm. Verse 22, now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, the angel says. The explanation continues. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. As Joseph is hearing this from the angel, his mind is working overtime as he recalls the prophecies of old. This one that the angel quotes was given to Isaiah about 680 years beforehand. It was one of 108 prophecies that were fulfilled through the birth of Jesus. It was given through the dark days under the reign of Ahaz when the Israelites were under a national crisis. And all that time ago, they said, here's the hope that a young girl, a virgin, will become pregnant and give birth to a son and he will be named Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Part of Joseph's brain is saying, oh, my goodness, yeah, I remember those prophecies. That's amazing. But the other half is caught up in the wonder of this word, Emmanuel. That God was going to dwell with them. That he was going to parent the Son of God. It's one thing for God to fulfill these prophecies. It's another that Emmanuel, God is with us, is finally coming. It's a big deal because God's desire had always been to dwell with his people. That was what God wanted in the garden. That was what God wanted with the Israelites. That's what God longs for as revealed in Revelation as we look to eternity. That the dwelling of God will be his people and he will be our God and we will be his people together. And here it was happening now in real time before Joseph, Emmanuel. The God who was coming. The God who would dwell to heal the sick, to liberate the possessed, to bless the poor, to cleanse the leper, to cure the sick, to feed the hungry, to restore, to renew, to forgive, to redeem. Emmanuel was coming. It had been promised. And right now, God was coming through on his promise. And so the angel leaves as Joseph wakes up. And there's only one thing that he's going to do. Those plans for a quiet divorce, they're off the table. Because he's heard from God in the midst of Chaos. And rather than get caught up in the chaos, he's going to follow God. Here's one of the most telling verses about Joseph. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. What did that mean? Three things. One, he would marry Mary. He wasn't going to run. He wasn't going to bail. He was going to see through this chaos and marry her. Secondly, it meant that he did not have sexual relationships with her, fulfilled the Scripture, fulfilled the obligations of the law, fulfilled the duties of being betrothed. And when the baby did come, did come, He named him Jesus. He did as the Lord's angel had commanded. And so Joseph, by being faithful, was able to fulfill the purpose that God had for him. Here's the third thing and final thing that we learn from Joseph's life about how to live in chaos is that when we trust God's promises, they help us stay on track with God's purpose. When we trust God's promise, they help us stay on track with God's purpose. You want to know if you are in the purposes of God? Ask yourself, are the promises of God coming true in my life? In fact, if I am living a life outside of the promises of God, then it is very unlikely that I am living into the purpose of God. Does that make sense? We cannot separate the two. We try, but you can't. If the promises of God aren't coming true in your life, then you're missing God's purpose for you. Don't tell yourself that you're living your best life, which, by the way, is God's life for you, if you're not leaning in to the promises of God. You see, Joseph... Discovered his purpose because it's seen the promises of God taking place. Chaos can disrupt us from our purpose. We tend to think that chaos can break God's promises, but it never does. In the midst of chaos, Joseph Teaches us that trusting God's promises helps us stay on track with God's purposes. Does that make sense? I would encourage you to write that down, chew on that over the next couple of days as an Advent reflection. Christmas is going to be a little different this year. For some, it's going to be pretty chaotic because of everything going on around us. But that's okay, because the first Christmas was chaotic, and Jesus came for the chaos in our lives. As we stay in the chaos, I pray this is true for us as it was for Joseph that disruption will help determine our destiny. That as we stop and be still and consider, that that consideration will calm the chaos. And I pray that in the midst of whatever pain and whatever turmoil, we would trust God's promises because it is God's Promises that help us fulfill His great and His glorious purpose for us. It may be a chaotic Christmas, but remember, God often does His best work in chaos.